I'd like to introduce you to someone else right now. Simon Brading. And here's my good friends. I do love him very much. And uh, we've uh, had a lot of years kind of laughter and fun together, which is great. And um, hi, mate. Not really seen him this morning, and um, he is preaching to this week. And I know this man has put a lot of uh, time and energy in praying for these messages and also preparing them as well. And I can say, without any exaggeration, that Simon is one of my favourite preachers. He really is. He takes the word of God and he puts it into chunks that I can digest. So sometimes I listen to preachers and thinks, "Oh gosh, there's a lot to wade through." Simon does a beautiful job of taking the wonderful truths of God and helping us to be able to digest them as well. So I hope you're full of faith this morning. Actually, can I pray for you, mate? Now I'm all right. Now I'm <laughs> Look, I always pray for Simon this morning. I want to pray. Would you just help him as he speaks? Help him to speak with authority. Help him to speak clearly. Help him to know that he's your man for this moment, Lord God. I want to pray for everyone else in the room, Lord God, that we'd be good at listening. And having open hearts to the things that you'll say. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. You guys all right? At the front, can you hear me? At the back, give us a wave. Brilliant. We are going to be looking over these four mornings at some teaching from the Bible. I'm going to be taking all four of these. Before I do that, a question to ask you. Hands up if you ever watch X Factor. Are you looking forward to watching it this term? Mixed opinion. One of the things I like about X Factor is you see these amazing singers and they're just doing incredible performances, but they often take you behind the scenes and go back to their house and you get to learn a bit about them, you get to see their family, you get to see what's behind the person. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's interesting seeing a great person, great singer, really gifted, but then you get to see behind the scenes of what they're like, where they've come from. What we're going to be doing these next four days is looking at one of the most famous people in the whole Bible, a great hero and a great warrior called King David, one of the most famous kings in the Bible, did great things. I think almost everybody here has probably heard of him. Hands up if you've heard of the story of David and Goliath. Oh, that's loads of you. Oh, this is brilliant. We're going to be learning about David and Goliath a lot this week. We're going to be looking at that story, but not just the big moments, the big X Factor live shows of David and Goliath, We're also going to journey behind the scenes a little bit. We're going to go back to David as a younger guy, back to his family, and look at just what's underneath his success. Look at some of the secrets to how he got where he got to and why God chose him to be king. Does that sound good? You up for it? This is the time of the morning where I just want to encourage you just to tune in with your minds, with your hearts, just to listen with your ears. Had lots of fun and games, so now's not the time just to be chatting with your mates. If you can listen and tune in and stay with me, that'd be fantastic. Well, the story begins. We're taking the cameras away from David and Goliath. We're going to go back to his family, back to the beginning, see what's behind this great hero, David. It starts off 3,000 years ago. That's 2015 plus another thousand, so a long, long, long time ago. We're going to go back, back in that time. There weren't churches all around the world like there are now. There's not lots of churches everywhere. No, back then, there's just one lot of people that knew God, one nation called Israel. And God spoke to one guy in Israel called Samuel. Everyone say Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. He heard God. And God said something special to Samuel. We're going to have it on the screen. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. What I'd like us to do, I'm going to read out the bits that are in white. And I want you to shout the words that are in red. Do you think you can do that? So I'll read the white ones. You shout the red ones. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Fill your horn with 
and be on your way. I am sending you to of Bethlehem. I have chosen of his to be. What's going on here? What's all this stuff about oil? That's a bit odd. Don't worry, we'll get to that in a minute. That will all make sense. But he's sending Samuel to Jesse, and he's chosen how many of the sons? One. One of his sons is going to be a king. Would you like to meet Jesse's sons? Let's call them up. Come on, boys, there you go. Put hands together for Jesse's sons. Quick, quick. Don't be shy. Come along. Come on, give them a proper clap. Line up. What lovely young lads they are. God spoke to Samuel, said, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Jesse's got some sons. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Ooh, who's it going to be? Which one? Let's find out. Samuel's a great man. He hears from God. God speaks to him. He goes to the first one. This guy's name is Eliab. Eliab, can you get the camera on him? What a mighty man. He's the tallest. He's the firstborn. Do you think he's going to be king? I think he looks like a warrior. He's got some stature about him. He could be a good king. What does God say to him? 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. Let's have this on the screen. Same again. I'm going to read the bits in white. You say the ones in red. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. Do consider his or his height. For I have rejected him. The doesn't look at the things people look at. Look at appearance. But the looks at the... Don't worry about that one. People look at the outward appearance. Doesn't he look tall? But God says, do not look at his appearance. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God rejected you, sunshine. Sorry, buddy. Who's up next? Abinadab. Say hi, Abinadab. This guy, surely he's tall. Oh my word, what a good looking guy. I think he can make a great king. What does the Lord say? The Lord has not chosen this one either. Sorry, sunshine. Oh, here we go. This one's letting His name is Shammah. Say hi, Shammah. What does God say about Shammah? Samuel's listening. God, is this the one that we're going to anoint to be king? The Lord has not chosen this one either. Sorry, Shammah. He's out. Four remaining sons. Who's it going to be? Look at this guy. He's got great hair. This could be a fantastic king. I think he's the guy. He's looking cool. He could be a good king. No, God has not chosen him either. This guy... This guy's the Clash of Clans pro. He's maxed out his town hall to level 10. He knows all about war and strategy. Samuel's like, surely this is the guy. He could be him. No, the Lord has rejected him as well. Oh, man, five down, two to go. This guy here, oh, man, this is the one all the ladies like. He's a good-looking lad. He's got some cool shoes, great figure. Am I right, ladies? (laughs) He's going to be the king. I can feel it. What's God going to say to Samuel? No. We're left with one guy. One little lad. I think we found our king, do you? Let's have a listen to what God said about this one. No. What? He's rejected him as well. Samuel's like, wait a sec. God definitely said, go to the house of Jesse, find his sons. One of them will be the king. Jesse, what's going on here? And Jesse's like, ah, okay, sorry. Maybe there is one more guy. There's a little guy. He's a shepherd boy in in the fields. I didn't think you'd want to see him. Do you want to see him? 
So Samuel's like, bring him immediately, bring him to us. So bring on, come on David, come on through. This is David, the smallest and the youngest of all the sons. And as he came through, God spoke to Samuel and said, this is the guy, anoint him. He is going to be the next king of Israel. And do you remember we read earlier about the oil? Do you remember that? In the olden days when people were anointed to be king, what they did was they literally poured oil on top of people as a way of symbolizing God's anointing and God choosing. Don't worry, mate, I'm not going to pour oil over you. It's all right, you can relax. It's water instead. This was God choosing David. Right now, that's a funny thing because a young lad got wet. But you need to understand, for David in front of his brothers... God had chosen him and anointed him to be king. Thanks so much, guys. You want to head off? Give these guys a thanks. So, question I want to ask us why David? These seven guys, they all look fairly good. They're a bit taller, a bit bigger than him. Why did God choose David? Well, let's look at the Bible verse again on the screen. Let's read this out together. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Look at the But the looks at the heart. There's something about the heart of David that God liked. People looking at the appearances of the others, but there's something about his heart. Let's just keep this verse on the screen for the moment. We split this verse into two halves. Look at the first line. People look at the outward appearance. We could only see their appearances. And if we're honest with ourselves, we look at people's appearances all the time and we make judgments and we look at how people look and that's how we judge them. They're tall, they're short, or they're good looking, or they're not so good looking, or they're really thin, they're bigger, they're sporty, they got great clothes. And in our culture, appearances are king. You look at people's Facebook profiles, only wanting to appear what looks good, wanting to make sure what they look like, their appearances are brilliant. People don't post up ugly photos of themselves. They don't. They want to have an appearance of themselves that looks good. And so this is the way we work. How you look, how you appear is like super important. But what does God say? Hey, you know what? People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What does that mean? The Lord looks at the heart. Let's look at that verse. What does that mean? He's actually looking at my heart. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Yeah, that's a great heart. That's beating really quickly. Well done. No, it doesn't mean your actual physical heart inside. Your heart is what you're like on the inside. It's what you're thinking. It's what you love on the inside. It's what no one else can see, but you know inside. It's the hidden motives behind why you do things. It's the secret things inside you. God is way more interested in the heart. And if you think about it, every person in this room, you have three options. Every one of us. What are they? You either have a heart after yourself. Inside, you're all about me. Me, 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 me. Your appearance, you looking good, people thinking about you. That's what's in your heart, a heart of yourself. Second is... Your heart is all about pleasing others. You just want other people to be pleased. You're about caring about other people and wanting them to like you. 
Or option three, you have a heart after God. Everything you do is for God. Our man David, he had a heart after God. At the core of his being, inside, he cared about God. Everything he did was for him. It was hidden. He loved God. So there's something about the heart of David that I want us to look at. Before we get to David and Goliath, before we get to the big, mighty battle scenes, before we get to the X Factor life stage, and everyone's like, wow, look at this guy. Let's get behind the scenes first. What's going on here? There's something special about the heart of David. And the Bible gives us a bit more of a clue. And later in the Bible, in a book called Acts, another verse I want us to read out together, Acts 13, 22. Let's read this together. God testifies concerning him, David. I have found... Son of Jesse, uh, he will do everything I want him to do. God found a young shepherd boy with a heart after God's. And David, at the core of his being, had a heart after God and he loved God. He loved God. Love? That's a bit weird. How are you supposed to love God? I thought you love people. You love your girlfriend or you love your wife. Isn't that a bit strange? Well, let's think about it. Everybody loves something. Right now, even if you're not in love with a person, you love something. Whether it's football, Minecraft, Katy Perry, someone else, we all love something. There's something our heart loves and wants and cares about, gets passionate about and animated about, that you really love above all things. What is it that you love? What is it you care about the most? Go on, ask yourself that question now. What is it you care about the most? Well, David, in the heart of his heart, he loved God. He had a heart after God. He wrote a song, Psalm 18. It says, I love you, Lord. Okay, Simon, I hear what you're saying. I'm getting you. But I thought Christianity was about going to church. I thought it was about reading the Bible. I thought about it was being a good person and obeying my parents. I thought Christianity was about just not having sex, not getting drunk. Isn't that what being a Christian is? What's the greatest of all these different things that we're supposed to do? Well, somebody else asked Jesus that question once. Do you want to hear his response? Let's read this together. Matthew 22. What's the most important thing? Teacher, what is the... In the law, Jesus replied, The Lord your... With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the... And greatest commandment. Above all the things that you know of Christianity, all the things that in your life you know you should and shouldn't do, above the should and shouldn'ts, and above the rules, and above the commandments, the greatest and most important thing for you to do is to love God. It's to love Him. It's to love Him. You know, no other religion in the world has this as the first and most important commandment. You look at Islam, you look at Buddhism, all these other religions, major world religions, they're about things they have to do, the eightfold path, the five pillars, all these different things you've got to do, but you get to Jesus, and what's the primary thing that he asks us to do? It's to love him. Do you love God? Is that a slightly strange concept to you? I think, I know I sort of know a bit about God, but I don't love him. David. Our great hero was a man who loved God. You might think, okay, that's, that's, I kind of get that. I'm not really sure how that works. 
I'm married to a wonderful girl called Anna. We've been married for seven years. Come on, man. That deserves a bit of a, more of applause than that. Thank you. Uh, Anna, are you here? Come on, love, stand up. Anna Brading, everybody. At the end of the day, what Anna wants from me firstly and primarily is that I love her. Imagine this. Imagine if I just bought her some roses for our anniversary last week. And she's like, thank you so much. These roses are beautiful. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I should because I'm your husband. That's not coming from a place of love. That's coming out of like duty. Oh, I should. Oh, Simon, thank you so much for cleaning up. Oh, well, I, I guess I should because I am married to you. I don't really like love you or anything, but you know, I did sign a contract that I would sort of care for you on our wedding day. That's disgusting. But imagine if I said to her, Anna, I thought, how could I love you and bless you today? And when I thought about you and who you are, I thought, I really want to bless you. I bought you these flowers to say that I love you. That is way more honoring to her and to our friendship and relationship and our marriage. What Anna wants first is that I love her in my heart. That I'm not just doing cold-hearted acts of kindness, but inside I'm loving her. Do you know what? It's the same with God. God doesn't want your cold-hearted acts of obedience. He wants primarily, firstly, he wants you to love him. He wants you to love him. Do you love God? David was a man that loved God. Okay, I'm getting that. That's great, Simon. But how? How do I learn to love God? Well, how do I learn to love Anna? You grow in love as you grow in friendship and in time. That comes from spending time. I love Anna more now than when I did when we first got married. I mean, back then I was like blown away. Wow, this girl's amazing. There's something about her that I saw. That, wow, the way she shines, how beautiful she is, her character, her heart. I love it. But over the last seven years, as I got to know her more and more, our friendships deepened. It's got, we've learnt, we've walked through life together, I've got to know her more, and as I've done that, I've grown in love. I've grown in what I think of her. I've grown in my affection towards her. It's the same with our relationship with God. God's inviting you, 12s to 14s, into a relationship with him. Not just that you obey lots of commands. No, no, firstly, he wants to know you. He wants you to be in a friendship, in a relationship. Think about your best friend. Maybe they're even in this room. Why is it they're your best friend? One of the reasons is you've got a history together. You've known each other. You've spent time together. You've gone through experiences together. You've laughed at things together. You've fallen out maybe, but you've forgiven and you know each other and you've gone through stuff together. The more you get to know God, the more you build a relationship with him. Did you know you can have a friendship and a relationship with God? Just like I do with Anna, and just like King David did. So behind the scenes of our man David, while he was a shepherd boy in the fields over there somewhere, do you know what he was doing? He was getting to know God. He was spending time with God. He's having a relationship with God. He was singing to God. He was worshipping Him. He was loving Him. And the more you see of God, the more you love of Him. Do you know, you can just talk to God out loud as if he's standing right in front of you. I've got a friend, uh, a pastor, who so got this. He tells a story of this. He so understood this. Every day, he used to start his day driving down to Starbucks, ordering a coffee, sitting down. Opposite, there'd be a space. And he would talk out loud 
as if God was sitting there. And just talk to him. And just say, like, what's in his heart, things that are going on. God, I really found yesterday a bit difficult. This situation really stressed me out. I'm finding it hard. God, would you help me? And he just built a relationship with God. It wasn't just some like, oh, I should serve God today. No, he began to build a relationship in a secret place. Our man David, behind the scenes, was building a relationship, learning to love God. He loved him above all things. And I think the first thing I want to say to you on morning one of 12 to 14, as we look at the life of David, is that God wants to know you and God wants you to be in a relationship with him. Not just to do rules, but for you to love him. But do you know what makes it even easier? And do you know what makes it even better? For you to love God, it doesn't even start there. It starts with this. He loves you first. God loves you. Before you even love him, know him, or know anything about him, he loves you. Not just loves you in a big mass kind of crowd way, that he pulls your name out of a crowd. He knows each one of you individually. All of you, one by one, he knows. He knows your name, he knows your history, he knows your parents, he knows your situation, he knows you. He knows the worst things about you, and he loves you. He loves you. And when you get to know God, you suddenly realize you receive his love, and it helps you to love him back, love him more. David, great king, went on to do mighty battles, incredible things. Why did God choose him out of these seven? Why didn't they get picked, but he did? This guy here looks impressive, didn't have a heart after God. This guy here, full of armor and strategy, is a mighty man, didn't have a heart after God. This guy here, good looking, all the girls like him, didn't have a heart after God. Some of you are very wrapped up in your appearances. You care a lot about what you look like. You work hard to make sure that you look good. Maybe spend more time in the mirror than even talking to anyone else. Appearances to you are so important. Why is that? Maybe you want people to like you, people to accept you, people to love you. Well, hey, what? The antidote to that is you've got to know before any of that, God loves you. When you know the love of God in your heart, no matter what you look like, it brings freedom to your life. You don't care about what you look like anymore. You know, God's interested in your heart. I've got the love of God. Some of you are wrapped up in what people think of you, and you're going to find freedom this week because the love of God is going to come into your heart. Think, man, it doesn't matter. I'm accepted for who I am. I'm loved for who I am. David wasn't bothered what he looked like. He was a shepherd. That wasn't a sexy role. It wasn't a big warrior thing. It was like the lowest of the low. You're going to just care for some sheep somewhere. But he didn't care. He knew that God loved him. God loves you and he wants to know you. So, the greatest of all these commandments is that we love God, that we have a heart after God. What does it mean to have a heart after God? It means that we love him, we know him. Above all other things, that we pursue him, that we follow him, we want to obey him. David was a man who learned to obey God and out of that did mighty and great things. We're going to learn lots more about that tomorrow. The day after and the day after, I'm going to look at some of the amazing things that David did. But day one, you need to know that God looks at your heart. And to be free from what people think of you and how, how you look. Even right now, some of you have written off that God can ever use you. Think, I'm, I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not clever enough. God doesn't look at that. He looks at your? He looks at your? He looks at your? 
It's not about how gifted, how big, how clever, how good-looking he looks at your heart. Should we stand together? Can I invite you around the room? Let's just close our eyes together. Let's just focus on God. If you know in your heart, actually, I don't, I don't think I do love God. I've never experienced his love like that. I want to have a relationship with him. I can see lots of eyes open. Can I ask you to shut your eyes? I want you just to pray in your heart a really simple prayer. God, I want to get to know you this week. If your Christian life has all been about what you should and shouldn't do and rules, and you think, I don't really have a relationship with God, I want you to pray in your heart, God, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your love this week. Will you just do that? Pray it in your heart. Maybe you've even never prayed before. Some of you are like, I've never prayed. Some of you just pray, God, if you're there, come close to me. And so, God, we ask you at the beginning of this week that you would come so close to us with your love, with your spirit, and you would create in us hearts that love you, hearts that pursue you and follow you. It's the, the greatest and most important thing in our whole lives is that we know and love God. And I pray for my friends here this morning that this week would be a week where they get to know you and experience your love. All God's people said, Amen.